thank you for joining us today for this colloquium session sponsored by the School of Library and Information Science at San Jose State University. My name is Bill Fisher. I'm a professor with the uh, school and coordinator of our colloquium series. And I'd like to, again, uh, thank you for joining us today for our session on a practical guide to ACRL's diversity standards. Our speakers today will be, uh, we have a panel of speakers of uh, Martha Parker, who's librarian in residence at the University of Arkansas Fayetteville Libraries. With her today will be Rayette Sterling, who's the outreach and inclusion librarian at Eastern Washington University. And joining them will be Jeff Banks, who's the Assistant Director for Library Human Resources and Diversity Programs. And Jeff is also on the, or with the staff at the University of Arkansas at Fayetteville Libraries. The San Jose State University Spring Colloquia. The presentation is titled, A Practical Guide to the ACRL's Diversity Standards. The presenters for this session are Rayette Sterling, Adult Services Manager at the Anchorage Public Library, and the former 2012 ACRL's Diversity Committee Chair. Jeff Banks, Assistant Director of Human Resources and Diversity Programs at the University of Arkansas at Fayetteville Libraries. And myself. Martha Parker, librarian in residence at the University of Arkansas at Fayetteville. Rayette, Jeff, and I um, will review the purpose and the importance of these guidelines while also suggesting a few considerations for implementing them based on feedback received from several organizations while attending various conferences. Later in the session, Megan Watson and Dave Ellenwell, research and instruction librarians for the University of Washington Bodell in Cascadia Community College, will join us to share their experiences while implementing these standards. Ryan, a key participant of creating these guidelines will now cover the purpose and goals of the standards. So the purpose and goals of the standards, the standards were started by um, the ACRL Racial and Ethnic Diversity Committee. And the charge of that committee was to um, deal with issues of racial and ethnic diversity within academic libraries. So what this committee did was they started in about 2008 to research and get background information about what um, diversity and cultural competency standards look like in professional organizations and figure out how we could tailor that to meet the needs of academic libraries. And we came up with a series of um, 14 standards, which we'll go through today and talk about. Um, one of the things I would really like to mention is that these standards are designed as a starting point, as a place to start the conversation about diversity and cultural competency in libraries. When the committee was formed, the charge of that committee was racial and ethnic diversity. 
So we are aware that there may be groups that we've left out. We have not, um, there's not anything in the standard that directly addresses um, gender diversity or the um, LGBT community or issues that they may have with cultural competency. However, we do feel that there's enough room within the standards that those groups can be included. The idea is that this is an inclusive standard and that as culture and communities change, the standard is going to be a flexible living document that will be able to change and adapt as needed. Martha, did you want to advance the slides? Okay. So as you can see, when we were looking for professional organizations, we're sort of a model for these kinds of cultural competency standards. We use the National Association for Social Workers. Um, they do have a standard for cultural competency, and I feel in a lot of ways social workers are kind of kindred spirits to librarians in that the goal of that profession is to take people where they are, accept people where they are, and move them to where they need to be to be successful in their lives. So this is what we based our standard on. Next slide. Okay. Would, you like to, would you like to show the video now? Oh, yes, that was a great idea. Thank you, Martha. Thank you, Martha. Um, at this point, I think what we should, um, I'd like us to move through the standards and um, hopefully have some discussion with um, those of you in attendance about the standards and how we can um, either map them to work you're currently doing in your library, how you foresee these standards helping you to become more culturally competent, and perhaps sharing some best practices if there are best practices that you use in your institution. So Martha, would you like to go ahead and talk about the first standard? All right. Uh, the first standard, cultural awareness of self and others. Um, in essence, we already uh, read the standards through the video, and um, I don't know if you noticed, but I already provided the URL um, in the chat box. So for future review, you know, the video again was intended as a um, diversity tool um, in order to start the diversity standards in your organization. Uh, the um, standard one is intended uh, to assist us in developing an understanding of our own personal and cultural values and beliefs as a first step in appreciating the importance of multicultural identities in the lives of the people they we work with and serve. In this particular standard, uh, we are referring to the me factor. Reflecting on this slide, the realization that we bring ourselves into our inter interactions with students, staff, and faculty. Knowing that although we do try, we have our own uh, cultural biases and limitations. 
the purpose here is to create a more inclusive and collaborative library environment. In our opinion, this specific standard is important because we need to check our institutions and our individual cultural competence in order to provide the highest level of service. As Rajat mentioned, um, different institutions are at different levels of implementing these diversity standards and at different levels of strategicals. Uh, some items we are suggesting for you to consider are assessing the social identities and cultural, cultural heritage in your institution, um, developing strategies to identify and to correct detrimental attitudes, beliefs, and behaviors, providing resources to aid cultural competency training. The next standard, uh, cross-cultural knowledge and skills, refers to having and continuing to develop a specialized knowledge and understanding about the history, traditions, values, and artistic expressions of colleagues, co-workers, and major constituencies served. The purpose here is to promote diversity as a dynamic process and not as a static concept. A reminder that just as technology changes, so our communities and the users we serve. The need to learn and unlearn diversity trends and to track current issues that affect our stakeholders. We need, to, we need to move away from cultural assumptions to truly getting to know our users' base. Organizational and professional values. Librarians and library staff shall develop and support organizational and professional values dedicated to culturally competent practice. This is, in my opinion, our reason to trap, our reason for being, this is what we do. The purpose is to drive cultural competence as a fundamental organizational value and to foster research and scholarship on culturally competent practices among professionals and as means of commitment to one another and the diverse communities we serve. Some considerations could be defining the institution's core value and its correlation with diverse-minded service, creating and maintaining a workplace climate that demonstrates commitment to cultural pluralism, assessing our current diversity efforts, evaluating the organization's culture to determine if we have an amicable work environment to welcome our new hires. The standard four is development of collections, programs, and services. Um, obviously, when we talk about cultural competency, competency and inclusion, it is important for our um, users to see themselves reflected in our collections. It's also important to um, look more broadly at the kinds of things we collect to make sure that we have materials that will be um, 
that will address the needs of our constituencies, that will perhaps look at maybe some non-traditional sources for research. Um, programming is kind of one of the things that I really enjoy doing, and that's more about making sure that everyone on our campuses feels comfortable coming into our library and that we find ways to engage our entire population um, and not just a specific groups. Sometimes that would mean finding programs that might stretch a little bit about what people think we should have in our campuses um, and services as well. Do we have people at our institutions who are fluent in certain languages or languages that our student population represent and those kinds of issues are what this talks about? Sorry about the dog, guys. Okay, and knowledgeable and information services available for the community and broader society. Um, oftentimes what this means is in terms of service delivery, we may need to look outside of our typical library, here's how we do things and think about are there ways to deliver information that would be more um, comfortable for our constituency. Um, do we have chat services for people who might not be comfortable coming up to a library desk? Um, are we approachable? Are there ways in which we provide service that um, is in a non-threatening and welcoming fashion to our constituents? Next slide. Okay, and language diversity. Um, this is kind of a, a real key, I think, particularly for academic libraries. Um, language is really how it forms how we see the world and how we are sort of our view of how we see things. So by having things in just an English language, I think we're really cutting off, I guess, a key component for communication. Um, this also sort of laps over into that service delivery and collections. Are we looking for collections in languages that are represented by our student body or by our faculty? Um, and do we create a climate where people are comfortable using their native languages or where we try to have materials for them in their native languages and to help, to help um, our staff sometimes learn how to listen to people who may have an accent that they don't recognize? And are we accepting of not just our standard major language of English in our institutions. Martha, do you want to move the next slide? Okay. Actually, I think. Um, Hello, everyone. This is Jeff Banks. Uh, you, picking Jeff. up with uh, standard number seven, which is workforce diversity. And that entails uh, supporting recruiting. Um, for LAS programs, for um, library associations, and for libraries in general. And so here, with this standard, we do need to support um, and advocate for recruiting, uh, admissions, hiring, retention, all those things uh, for all these different programs to increase the diversity and ensure continued diversity in the profession. So why is that important? Well, diversity in the workplace benefits the library constituents um, and the community as a whole. It also benefits the library organizations for which these individuals are members of. And uh, having a diverse workforce gives us the opportunity to have individuals that our users can relate to. 
they can see someone who looks like them or who may have similar thinking and preferences like them. As well as improving the staff performance because again, the staff members have individuals that they can relate to. Uh, so essentially this, this uh, standard is important to promote an environment where respect, appreciation, equity, and inclusion are core values. The eighth standard is organizational dynamics. With organizational dynamics, we're asking that the librarians and the staff uh, participate in and facilitate the development of organizational dynamics and enable individuals and the groups and organizations to develop and exercise cultural competence. And this is important because the, the organization's culture influences the behavior of the employees and also guides how they view and accept the difference in style and opinion. If they're tolerant of others' thought because they're being, their thoughts are being tolerated or being accepted, then they're much more willing to accept others. And so with organizational dynamics, we're talking about the structure of the organization, the culture, the various strategies and planning that they embark upon, and change in general, because as we all know, change is, a, is definitely a constant. Uh, but it also looks at the organization's pattern of activity and which direction the organization is going based on the internal and external forces that may be affecting it. But it's, key, it's important to understand that individuals shape and influence organizations' dynamics. And so we're asking all the staff and all the, the, the uh, librarians to be involved with these standards. The ninth standard is cross-cultural leadership. And this is where you're supporting uh, skills attainment in the diversity area and training of the staff. Uh, so we're talking about supporting and encouraging creation of proactive processes that increase the diversity skills. You know, allowing employees to go to employee development training that focuses on diversity and do research in those areas. And also making sure we have individuals that are there to advocate for their concerns. So why is this important? Well, cross-cultural leadership and training fulfills the organization's mission. Why, why are libraries here? They're here to help the public and the public is definitely a diverse constituency. Some of the questions you may want to ask yourself at your libraries is, do you have a library website or a diversity website for your library? Do you have a diversity committee? Does, do you have a library guide that focuses on diversity? These are things that you can look at to know whether or not you're being supported by your leaders in your libraries. But ultimately, the purpose of this standard is to foster diversity skills attainment among the, the fellow leadership and among the faculty and staff in the library. Okay, standard 10, it's focused on, on professional education and continuous learning. And this is more on the individual level. And what we're looking for here is that the individuals, the librarians and the staff will advocate for and participate in education and training opportunities that will help them advance their cultural competence. And this will help the profession as a whole. So why is this standard important? Well, we need the highest level of service to all of our constituents. And if we're not sensitive to that, and we're not educated to understand their needs, then we simply cannot be effective. So we must stay abreast of current educational trends and training methods, because we all have different types of learners, um, that we need to stay ahead in our professional practices. 
Agenda number 11 is simply about research and the research being inclusive, uh, ensuring that it's respectful of non-Western thought and traditional knowledge. Uh, so make sure we're reflecting the cultural ways of knowing. Okay, hold on a second. So that standard is important because with that cultural competence, we can, be, we can recognize Western uh, cultural biases in the research and just make sure that we're inclusive in the research that's addressing the, the entire world, uh, all the members that uh, we serve. And again, a realization that these standards are only a framework, a starting point, um, depending on where you are on driving your diversity strategic goals. And this brings me to the next slide where Megan Watson and Dave Ellenwood, again, from research and instruction librarians from the University of Washington, Bodell and Cascadia Community College will share with us their experience at implementing the diversity standards. Welcome both. Hi everybody. Thanks for having us here. Um, I'm going to start out by talking a little bit about uh, how we started implementing the diversity standards here on campus um, and a little bit about our first training and then Dave's going to take over and talk about assessment um, of our trainings and also sort of our future plans. So. We started as a diversity team. We are three librarians and one uh, library staff member, and we were formed in fall of 2012, um, basically to work on conducting trainings and facilitating discussions among all levels of library staff here at the campus library. So as part of that, we did our first training on January 16th of this year. It was an hour and a half meeting uh, with all library staff, excluding hourly student workers. And it was really based around standard number one, so cultural awareness of self and others. From that standard, we developed two learning outcomes for the session. The first outcome was staff will gain a fuller picture of the demographics of the campus library user community. And then our second outcome will, uh, was staff will think in depth about their cultural heritage in order to better understand how their own cultures and biases may affect interactions with library patrons and each other. So our outline with the session, we tried to keep it pretty um, sort of a combination of light and serious. We opened with a short skit um, illustrating how certain behaviors can be interpreted dif differently by different people from different backgrounds. And then we got into our activities. Uh, so the first activity was addressing our outcome number one, and we called it a demographics guessing game. So we used large flip chart paper and presented historical information and then asked our participants to guess the current reality. So for example, we asked in 1999, 75% of the UW Bothell student body identified as white. What is that percentage now? We asked participants to guess, um, and then we revealed the answer. And most of our questions, we only had, I think, five or six, um, and they were in regards to student and academic staff demographics. So we were trying to reach, to cover our whole academic community um, here in the library that we work with. And then we concluded by reflecting on kind of our key takeaways amongst the group, what surprised people, what interested people, what shocked 
people. Then we moved from that activity to uh, our second, which we were calling the cultural shield activity, which one of our team members um, experienced another diversity training um, back like a year ago or so. Uh, this activity involves handing out blank pieces of paper divided into four quadrants, one for family, one for fun and hobbies, one for food, and one for heritage, and asking staff to draw what best represents that concept to them. The idea being that the more you understand about yourself, the better you can connect with others. We then had each um, staff member gather in a small group of like three or four people and kind of share in a safe space um, about what they draw, uh, what they thought were priorities, what's most important to them, and then kind of came back together for a large group reflection um, amongst the group to talk about sort of what people learned, how that experience worked out for them. Um, and now I'm going to turn it over to Dave to talk about the rest of it. Thank you. So from the beginning, we thought about assessing the work that we did, the trainings that we conducted, because we really wanted to find out uh, the impact on the library and um, on all of the staff involved in the training. So we designed a, an assessment together uh, that asked, we handed out, we gave a handout to everyone after the, the, uh, the training that asked what the most important thing they learned, uh, how will this be useful in their work, and were there any topics that they didn't see addressed? Because we wanted to find out if um, sort of what were the big things people took away from the training and then what could we address in the future. Uh, so we, re we received really good, really positive feedback from, from folks. Um, one of the biggest things we heard was that people really appreciated the chance to connect with their colleagues in a safe space. People really got into talking with each other. Um, and then the, it, this kind of inspired, they felt that it inspired questioning of the assumptions about uh, our patrons and our library community, and it also increased the, our awareness of diversity um, around campus. And so that was kind of the main things we received uh, from our formal assessment. We've also heard from people individually that had them thinking more about diversity. Uh, and so in the future, we hope to do more assessments to uh, see the long-term impact of our trainings. So in the future, we are planning to do a bunch more work around the standards. Um, we're going to start a monthly lunchtime discussion group centered around uh, specific topics or readings so that people can get together and informally discuss some of these issues um, of cultural awareness, kind of getting at standard two. And secondly, we're going to be doing a, another training in May. Um, and the, re the way we're kind of structuring our training is to um, start with a really safe environment. So we're just kind of, our first session was really just getting people thinking about their own cultures. And then we're going to try and step it up a notch and have people think about identity and power a little bit more. And hopefully it'll be, we've built that um, safety so people can uh, open up a little bit more about how power impacts them. Um, what else? So, oh, no, a couple other things we're going to be doing uh, and some trainings within smaller groups. So we're going to have librarians get together. So the, our trainings have been all staff. Uh, we're going to just have some trainings for, that are specifically geared towards librarians and then some that are specifically geared towards uh, access service staff, um, et cetera. So in conclusion, do you want to? Okay. So in conclusion, uh, we're kind of focusing on some um, 
our, our broader goals are really to focus in on a couple standards at a time, not take too much on, um, not feel, get overwhelmed by the standards. Um, and we're really trying to think long term and build competencies over time uh, within the library. Um, and one of, the, one of our strategies for that is really to combine uh, practical activities and guidance with more conceptual things in the future. So that's mainly our work. Well, thank you, Dave and Megan, for um, sharing your experiences with us. They seem to be very interactive and innovative. Um, this concludes this presentation. And at this point, we open this session for any questions the audience might have. Thank you uh, very much, uh, Martha and Rayette, uh, Jeff and uh, Megan and Dave. As Martha indicated, it's time for any questions or comments. Uh, I apologize if any of what I'm about to ask is covered. I, I sort of had a, a hard time hearing parts of, of the presentation, but I, I am curious about um, uh, at uh, midwinter, ALI, ALA had um, there was a presentation on the progress, the diversity progress, and I know that that overall the numbers didn't didn't, uh, and that's obviously diversity in librarianship, and uh, I know that overall the the uh, numbers didn't look great. There essentially had been very little changed change uh, 10 years after after the uh, the diversity initiative at ALA. So I'm wondering at ACRL whether what I'm um, what I'm trying to get at is uh, uh, I'm a, I'm um, finishing up my first year at at SJSU and I'm a little bit concerned about about the the diversity numbers in librarianship itself. I'm wondering if if there are any comments regarding that. Um, and how that that the uh, the initiatives at ACRL uh, or the standards at ACRL um, might be expected to to improve um, the numbers. Um, that's really what the what the standards are designed to address. We know in academic libraries there are um, very very few. Um, librarians and particularly faculty librarians uh, from not the not majority group are very, very underrepresented. Um, so I think ideally that's what the standard should do is it should give us a place to start. It should also give us um, something that we can assess as a profession. It's a place where we can look and not just have this sort of nebulous idea about, oh, well, we need to be more diverse, but this really gives us some um, key ways to look at what it means to be culturally competent and to move past that idea of, well, you know, we have a diversity librarian. No, this is about being inclusive so that it's not just one position so that it actually goes across the profession and across campuses so that we do represent what the world looks like and so that we do have, um, I guess, more of an inclusive worldview and an ability to move the profession in a way that is more organic and reflective of the global environment that we're living in. This also speaks to the cross-cultural leadership I was referring to, um, as well as the staff aspect. Let me make sure I get everything here. Um, the more training we do and the more 
cultural confidence that we gain as organizations uh, will enable the library staff, the librarians, to be ambassadors. You may find that uh, someone becomes library staff and then their child becomes a librarian in the future. I know that's far, that's way off in the offing, but you know we have to start with us first, the people that are in the libraries, to really become culturally competent, to be more welcoming and more inviting for others to want to join. And another thing I wanted to add is the fact that um, we want diversity in academic libraries, not just because it's um, an idealistic thing, but considering that we need to link diversity in academic libraries with demographic changes. Like for instance, uh, today if we review our, our census numbers, the last one, 2010, we have the 80-20 formula. That means that yes, uh, I mean, 80% of the population is uh, Caucasian and the rest of them is all minorities. A realization that the forecast is that for by year 2050, which is not far away, um, it is predicted that uh, minorities will comprise 50% of the American population. Um, so we need to link uh, the number of librarians to our changing demographics. And one could wonder, well, why? I mean, why does it matter? Well, in order for the country to advance, um, everybody counts, and everybody needs to to be at their best in order in order to advance the nation. A realization that librarianship has always been about access, and um, not just to technology, but also to information, to education, to scholarship, to research. So I hope that answers your question, Lisa. Well, in, in addition to that, of course, the the other uh, piece of the puzzle that um, isn't, of course, addressed by the the topic that you guys are talking about today is is getting these students into an accredited library school to begin with. Uh, so, Lizzie, let me uh, reassure you that San Jose State uh, does all that it. it uh, can do to encourage that. Uh, from the video that um, showed Martha and Jeff talking, they referred to uh, a conference of librarians of color that was held last year in Kansas City. We actually, uh, San Jose State was, was at that, uh, represented at that organization and uh, trying to let people who are there know that our program's online, it's very accessible. Uh, and of course, we're not the only online program, um, but um, you know that's another way to do it. Uh, last year, we were at the uh, New Mexico Library Association conference, which was held in Las Cruces, and there were a lot of uh, paraprofessional staff from very small libraries out in rural New Mexico that were excited to see that they could, in fact, get their degrees. Uh, without leaving home, without losing their jobs or anything, and uh, you know they're working on you know lining up the financial resources to be able to do that. So I think uh, with some of the online education that's available now, uh, some of these people that weren't able to leave a job, to leave home, to incur the expenses of going to a library school to get their degree, that may encourage them to, in fact, pursue the profession and help us with uh, some of the things that these standards are trying to do. Yeah, Ray's got a great question. Uh, so if uh, 
you guys want to take a look at that uh, if somebody wants to. Your question is a good one because I think what sometimes happens in archives and special collections is that we, um, we really treat cultures as other as opposed to being living in dynamic groups. We sort of want to preserve their ways of life or their ways of knowing as opposed to being really inclusive. Um, so what I would suggest is that instead of trying to think about a monetary value for things, you really should think about the cultural value. Um, is this something that speaks to a culture it's dealing with? Is there a way that I can get people who understand these resources and who are from a particular culture group to look at what we have in our archives and special collections and share their knowledge about that? Um, one of the things that I think we don't do really well is to honor cultural ways of knowing, to understand that there's more than just our sort of Western academic way to think about things. Um, so perhaps there's some opportunity there to have a dialogue with the peoples around you or the people who are, um, who are actually portrayed in some of those materials that you have. And um, yeah, Ray, that's a phenomenal question. I'm not aware of any library that's doing anything like that, although um, I forget exactly now which standard it is, but uh, one of the standards dealt with research, and that's a phenomenal research topic for somebody to take on. I mean, that's almost a thesis or dissertation topic to see if, if there are any models or how it's being measured. Uh, along those lines to then begin to get people to think about looking at their collections from, from that regard, from that viewpoint. Yeah, I absolutely agree, Dr. Fisher. Uh, you know, it was Senator Levin, by the way, the research one. I think um, outreach is a really good way to assess the value of your collections. Look for the opportunities in the community to involve your librarians and library staff in outreach opportunities and you know these upcoming events are coming, put together an exhibit of what you do have to try to get involved with those various events. That's a really good way to bring in more traffic into your libraries and get people to see what you have in your collection and you never know what could be donated in the future based on that outreach. Any other uh, questions or, or comments? If, you're, if, if you have a mic, you can uh, press the talk button. If not, uh, simply add something to the uh, chat uh, box as Ray was able to do. Can I just add that in terms of cultural competency, I think one of the things that happens, especially as professional librarians, is that we we're afraid to make mistakes. Um, and when you're talking about cultural competency, I, I think you're going to make mistakes and you need to accept that. You know, I have my own cultural biases. I, I, here's what I know about me and what I know about other things. And there are many things I don't know about your culture. And to start as sort of as a conversation. Well, seeing, seeing no further questions or comments from our audience then, let me uh, take this opportunity to thank our presenters again for uh, a very well thought out presentation. Uh, again, thanks to, to Martha, to Rayette, to Jeff, and certainly thanks to uh, Megan and Dave for giving us a very good example of how the standards are in fact uh, being used. And uh, that was uh, a very good example uh, of, of 
uh, institution beginning to take something like this that unfortunately more times than not just gets put on a shelf somewhere and never looked at again and, and trying to make these standards uh, something that will actually impact an organization and the people involved with that organization. So again, thanks for everyone's participation today and I hope you have a, a good rest of the day.